Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Woj Pod. Get the inside scoop on all the biggest NBA news as the biggest names in the game join ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, featuring in-depth conversations, breaking news reaction and analysis, and coverage of the biggest events on the NBA calendar. Be sure to check it out. Follow The Woj Pod as well as The Hoop Collective wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday evening after this Wizards-Pacers game, which um, actually we're going to start this before the end of that game because uh, I think the Pacers um, started their offseason about halftime. So the play-in tournament is mostly over. We're five out of six games in. The Wizards win uh, in advance. Um, I'll spend a minute talking about that. But first, let me bring in my guests. You don't... We need to introduce them on our Thursday night record, Thursday record for Friday Post. But out of respect to Band McMahon joining us from Dallas, Texas. Howdy, partners. Joining us from Boston, Massachusetts. I think you're still in Boston. I didn't ask you, Tim Bontemps, whether you're still there. I, I am I am still in Boston. And a uh, quick shout out to Mike Breen and Mike Wobon, who uh, I drove down to Connecticut to uh, write about getting in the Hall of Fame last weekend after the pod. So shout out to them. I'm not familiar with those two guys. Are they uh, young up-and-comers that we should uh, have on our radar? People you should have on your radar, I would say. Okay. Um, so I will say hey, fellas, this. Fellas, I, I, I do need to warn you. I'm seeing three microphones. Uh, I'm just going to talk in the middle and hope for the best. <laughs> um, you had a few drinks, have you? Um, I <laughs> I wanted to call a foul on that him saying that although but it did look in the post-game interview like his left eye was like a little off he got hit in the eye and he you know look lebron is one of the all-time greats at producing drama and (laughs) and playing basketball both of those things are true yeah i mean First off, it was an incredible shot. It, it's, I mean, I know it's a whole game. We're talking about LeBron's three with a minute left in the uh, Lakers play and win over the over the Warriors. I, it, I, I feel bad for the Warriors because they played really good defense on that possession, and they got a sort of a dream shot, which is LeBron taking a thirty-three footer. You um, feel bad for the Warriors. Feel bad for the Suns. They're the ones who got to see LeBron well, AD and the defending champs in the first round. And the the Warriors, the Warriors, what the Warriors should be feeling bad about is the third quarter of that game because they, the Warriors controlled that game. They should have won that game and they literally threw the ball and the game away in the third quarter repeatedly. And, uh, you know, it, it, they put themselves in a position where they gave LeBron a chance to win the game. And like McMahon said, LeBron is a flair for the dramatic and he has a, a, a very established flair for winning games. And he did both and both and once with that shot. You got to love how he hits the three, which is definitely the biggest shot of the Lakers season to this point um, in his career. It's not really that resident rank really that high, but you know, in the moment it was pretty big and, but you know, he's pointing to his face immediately afterwards. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe he I can't see. I can't see. <laughs> but his left eye did look a little off in the uh, 
in the interview. But um, it wasn't red, but it was just a little closed. What is the – what when you think of LeBron big shots – what what are like what stands out? Because I you know to me like the definitive LeBron playoff moment is the chase down block on yeah. Iguodala. Yes. But what what where do you start on your you you've seen them all? Where do you start on your LeBron big shots list? Well, he's hit um, three or four buzzer beaters in the playoffs, and um, where the ball actually goes in at the mm-hmm. horn. Um, the most famous one was during the Eastern Conference Finals now 11, 12 years ago. 12 years ago, 2009. Yeah, to beat the Magic, although they lost the series. Um, and a couple, years ago, a couple years ago, he hit two game winners. One of the most spectacular plays I've ever seen him make was um, to beat the Raptors in the second round of the East um, mm-hmm. playoffs. The last game for DeMar DeRozan and Dwayne uh, Casey uh, they, you know, made their major moves after that. But he goes coast to coast and throws in like a pretty athletic off balance. I think he banked it in. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Over OG and Obi. Um, you know, th- it was the, the Raptors made a couple of mistakes on the play, letting him get to that. But uh, it was an incredible shot. Um, uh, then, of course, there's the shot against uh, Chicago, which you just had the anniversary of um he had the, the bulls were ahead 2-1 and um i believe ahead i think the game was tied um i think it was tied uh and he hits the shot in the corner um to to win that game make it 2-2 then they win the next two games and in that one where after the game he basically said yeah we had a play drawn up and i said uh-uh we ain't running yeah that, that was that doing. was yeah, I that don't was want to go down memory lane on a late on a Thursday night here, but <laughs> that was one of the most amazing games I ever covered. The the Cavs, I can't. I'm and I, I, I apologize if you guys are yelling at the podcast because I thought that the Cavs were 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 tied, but maybe they were down. I think maybe they had to be down. They had to be down one. I think they were down one. I'm double checking right now while you're talking. Okay, so they inbound the ball, and David Blatt tries to call timeout that he doesn't have, and Ty Lue grabs him from behind. Uh, this is in the last ten seconds of the game. Ty Lue, his assistant at the time, grabs him from behind, but he clearly said timeout. And you know, I've looked at the replay a lot of times. I wrote, I wrote, I've written several books about that Cavs team. Um, and he tries to call i'm pretty sure the referee who is scott foster sees him and basically gives him a, a subtle shake of the head like and you don't have one <laughs> the um, game was the game was tied by okay it a shot over jimmy at the buzzer okay so he if he calls that right there it's a technical foul on the cav on the calves and the and the bulls shoot a technical free throw to take the lead um could have been one of the biggest disasters of all time. The next day, when when confronted about that, David Blatt says, well, they say that the people who make the most decisions per minute oh. in professions um, is after surgeons and fighter pilots is basketball coaches. He, can, he basically said, well, when you, when you have to operate like a fighter pilot or a surgeon. I remember that. Which is one of one of many yeah. many memorable David Black quotes. Yeah. But let's not let's not start talking about anyway. He but but right right after that they do call a timeout. Blatt runs up, calls a play for Kyrie. 
and um, LeBron says, no, we're not running that play. Hits that one for three that wins that game. Totally changes the series and propels them to the finals. He had a, he had a buzzer beater to beat the Pacers in the playoffs. Um, but I would argue that right up there in the top one or th- one or five or whatever you want to do, game seven against the San Antonio Spurs to win his second championship, um, maybe 15 seconds left, 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Uh, heat are up by two. He hits a, a about a 20-footer uh, over defense um, w- with one second on the shot clock to clinch the game, clinch the, the title. Uh, that's right up there, too, even though it wasn't at the buzzer. He's had a bunch of other shots, too. But um, the, the point is he, you know, in that moment, he points to his eye because I do think that he knows that it makes it more grandiose and will be remembered for the you shot. Think? Yeah. You think? Um, one thing I'll say about the play-in tournament so far had a couple of blowouts, yes. Um, had a couple of good games. The home teams, I believe, are five and zero. And um, you know, I guess the the Grizzlies could do anything uh, in Golden State Friday night, but I would favor the Warriors mm-hmm. to win that game. And um, I don't know what that says. I don't know if that how that'll speak to the future, but it is instructive. Um, and you know, the values of the seeds within within the game seems to be pretty important just in this small sample size. Yeah. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that for all of the, 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 you know, for all the people that were upset about the potential uh, ramifications for teams that finished seventh and eighth in the regular season and maybe missed the playoffs. Uh, it, it is pretty heavily slanted in their favor. You know, they have to win one or two games. And in the case of the seventh seed, you have to win one or two home games. In the case of the eighth seed, you get a guaranteed home game. So, you know, it's, it's it certainly has worked out that way, and if Golden State wins tomorrow, it'll you know only reinforce that even further. Boy, you, you think some folks in the uh, league office might be tuned into that game and maybe waving some blue and gold pom poms? I mean, I, I I hope I don't get a twenty five thousand dollar fine for pointing out the obvious that the league office <laughs> wants, wants the Warriors in the playoffs. <laughs> but I mean, he's referring to Nate McMillan getting fined twenty five thousand dollars for. What was the exact quote? He said, I didn't see why he got fined, actually. This he, is news to me. I was going to well, look the, it up. I was confused by the fine. I was wondering where it came from. The thing is, he got fined, and then I went and and, and you know saw what he said. Because the, the league's office, since the, the sensitivity from the league office is the only reason that anybody probably outside of Atlanta even saw this. So he got fined. He basically, I mean, he's pointing out the obvious, right? That he's he's let saying. Let me read the let me read okay. the exact. Uh, I don't have the exact quote, but I'm going to read the the reason for the fine. I do have okay. Read the reason, then I'll get to the quotes. He has been fined twenty five thousand dollars for detrimental public comments, asserting bias by the NBA. Yeah, and his detrimental public comments, I would put under the no spit Sherlock, or I guess it's no spit Spurlock category. Uh, it, it, talking about basically. Absolutely. I've talked to the team a lot. Basically, I've gone as far as saying the league wants this. They need this. New York, this is a big market for the league. New York has been out of the playoffs for a number of years, and this is a team that our league, they want to see. There's a huge fan base, and they want to see New York in the playoffs. It went on for a while, well, yeah. and the one thing that he did say was there's going to be a lot of calls that probably won't go our way, which is- Yes, you know, that's, that's, why they, that's why they find it. 
I mean, you know, this is ridiculous anyway. I certainly agree. But I was just looking through the quotes and I saw there's going to be a lot of calls that probably won't go our way. And I was like, well, there, there's the, there's why they, there's where they could break, throw the yellow flag and give them a fine. But it, it's still insane. Like no one would have noticed this to your point, Tim, if he hadn't gotten fined for it. Right. I certainly didn't know about it, you know, so. But I will say that I do think that that particular series is going to be there. I wouldn't say, how do I want to say the officiating is going to have an extra important factor in that series because of the way that the Hawks and particularly Trey Young plays. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we even talked about this, I think last week on the podcast, you know, Trey Young is a guy that a lot of people around the league have been really curious to see how he'll look in the playoffs because he does do a lot of foul hunting and gets to the foul line a ton, uses a lot of tricks. And I, you know, I, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that goes in a playoff setting when the whistles are going to be tighter and there's teams are going to be more physical and he's not a big guy. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm really interested to watch that series. Yeah. And I just think um, it probably, it could be one of these situations where the coaches start, you know, working the referees through the media, which we've seen lots of times. Right. And maybe they also just want to set the tone. Don't do that. You know? Sure. But I um, remember uh, going way back, speaking of going down memory lane, I remember in game two of the 2011 first round when Nate McMillan was the Blazers coach, he was so pissed that I wrote a huge story about um, Danny Crawford officiating a a Mavericks playoff game. That's when I had all the ESPN stats and information stuff I've been sitting on for a year. The Mavs were like 1-17 in in their previous 18 playoff games, both straight up and against the spread with Danny Crawford officiate. All these like just – all this ammo, and he was that was dating so, back to the 2006 yeah. playoffs, which which even was, before was still I think it was dating back to like Mavs Kings. Okay, uh, but yeah, and, and McMillan was not pleased that that was a big headline uh, on ESPN and was getting a lot of attention. He's like, well, hey, and now, you know now now if there's a 50 50 call, which way do you think it's going now? Well, and to your point, right, Tim? Nate McMillan's a guy who's been around for decades in uh-huh. the playoffs and knows how the game is played and is playing the game. You know, that's that's how this goes. Well, I saw that um, yesterday, uh, our yesterday, Wednesday, Lakers, uh, Warriors, that um, the stats about the John Goble, uh, Josh Tiven, um, those are the referees that had the game. Um, John Goble, Josh Tiven, and Trey Maddox. Um and the Warriors had lost 14 of their previous 15 games when they were officiated by either Goebel or Maddox. Um, now, that is w- one of the more circumstantial stats that you'll ever run into. Because well, also, can... how many of those were last season when the Warriors lost 14 of every 15 games, period? <laughs> right. Um, but, like, it's just, you know, but it was just interesting that, you know, if you are looking for a reason about why you're getting screwed. You can always find one. That's right. The teams always so, do. Some are some are more glaring than others, I will say. That's also true. Yeah. I mean, the 2006 finals were not the finest moment for officiating. <laughs> but Dwayne neither was, was getting- neither neither was neither was Kings Lakers back <laughs> in the day. 
I, neither, frankly, was a lot of that Laker Warrior game. I mean, there was a lot of moments down the stretch. I mean, LeBron committed two or three fouls in the fourth quarter of that game. Anthony Davis at one point threw, I think, Draymond Green aside to get a rebound. I mean, there were there was there was a there was some iffy calls down the stretch of that game too. But again, I don't. I'm not really going to hear any complaints from the Warriors about it mm-hmm. because they had that game in the in their hands in the third quarter. And you know, we've seen Steph is an unbelievable player, but we've seen in the past. He can be pretty loose with the ball and the rest of the Warriors were also very loose with the ball and they let the Lakers get back in that game and they gave LeBron a chance and LeBron took it. Okay. So the Lakers win. Um, I saw, I, I don't have the odds up to this moment because I know they're always changing. And I know with all the Lakers, you know, the, the betting lines are hard to square because they're, they're penalizing the Laker fans who are going to bet on their team. So many of them, but the opening odds opened at the Suns being you know the Lakers are minus 300 bet 300 to win a hundred bucks um well you you've pointed out the Lakers odds are always going to be skewed a little bit because there's so much money coming in but even accounting for that okay bond temps who are you picking in that series I'm honestly not sure well I'm picking the Lakers Wendy, you don't have the balls to make picks, so you're exempt from that conversation. Some people, but, some people see it differently. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it's, I mean, it's not disrespectful to say, hey, you're the underdog against LeBron James, right. Anthony Davis, and the defending, the defending champion. Defending champions, that's right. And the like, defending this champions is, with arguably the best player of all time on their team. It's, yeah, the, they're the, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. The circumstances behind the Lakers being a seven seed are unique and understood, right? A, again, and look, credit to the Suns. They've had a great season. Um, but you're talking about a team that's got three starters that are going to be playing uh, in, in the first NBA playoff game of their lives and going in the season, like it wouldn't be surprising if you said Suns Lakers in the first round, you would have just thought the Suns squeaked in as a seven or eight seed. Right. You would have expected the Suns to have won a play. Did the Lakers game impress you? Playing. I mean, they've won six games in a row, but are, no, they, are, they, that, are they impressing you right now? Well, well that was what I was going to say. I mean, look, I, I want to say the Lakers are going to win that series for all the reasons Tim just said, right. They have, LeBron James, they have Anthony Davis, they're defending champions. They've been in these playoff kind of situations before where basically nobody on the Suns has. That being said, you watch that game last night and the Lakers did not look good. And LeBron was not moving well throughout a lot of that game. Anthony Davis did not look very good throughout a lot of that game. Dennis Schroeder looked terrible for the entire game, got benched multiple times in that game for Alex Caruso, who saved and Andre the Drummond's in that is game. Not very good. Well, Andre yeah. Drummond stinks. He he, you know, right. he doesn't stink. He just is not a star. Andre Drummond is not a guy you want to be playing in high leverage playoff games. That I, you, you saw I, that in that game last night. He is not mean, going to win know, playoff I think games. Let me rephrase that for you to do your, to do you a favor. Andre Drummond is not a guy you want to count on. You want to have to count on. He can. No, play. I don't want him on the floor. I don't. Want I don't him want him on the floor. Games. I don't want a center on the floor in the playoffs who can't guard anybody in a pick and roll. And he got obliterated. If I can play, if I can play last Anthony Davis at center, like if the Lakers, right. every minute they play Andre Drummond, they're doing their opponent a favor in the playoffs. You, they, they'll have him out there for for stretches here and there against teams. You know, if they're playing, you know, he can maybe lean on DeAndre Ayton for a bit and be out there. But if you're playing him 25, 30 minutes, and he's playing like 
a real part of your rotation. Yeah, I don't think that's going to thirty minutes. Well, listen, yeah. he when he was on the court last night in in our, or in Wednesday in that game, it was a disaster for the Lakers, and things changed when he wasn't on the court. Like, and that's been the case all season when they have played good teams. They're, they're, the center they should play against good teams is Mark Gasol. They should not play Andre Drummond. They should not play Montrezl Harrell. We saw what happens to Montrezl Harrell against good teams in the playoffs last year. Like, this has been the thing we've talked about all year with them. They should play Mark Gasol for whenever they need somebody who isn't Anthony Davis at center. And then they should play Anthony Davis. But all that being said, that set that aside. The whole question about this series is going to come down to how healthy is LeBron and how can he play? Because you watched that game last night, and he turned it up down the stretch, and he made the plays to get them over the finish line like he has so many times. And if if, if you put put it to me, I'm going to assume he's going to do that again against the Suns, for all, especially given the lack of experience overall on the other side. But if LeBron isn't 100% and he isn't better than he was for most of that game last night, Phoenix is a lot better than a Golden State team with literally one guy who can dribble and score in Steph Curry. And I, I, I think the margin for error is going to be a lot smaller. And like we've talked about, the Warriors threw that game away. We could very easily be talking about the Lakers having a one-game, winner-take-all game with Memphis tomorrow. And instead, they, they escape and get a few days off, which they really need, because LeBron just you know did not physically look like the guy we're used to seeing. Well, the Lakers shot 40% of the team yesterday, 32% on threes, which... Is not going to get it done a lot. In a time. season, and it's been a season-long problem, right? We've but they're the best defense team in the league, too. So that's yes, they well, are. They, 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 they won they, that they, game, and they won that game on defense. Twenty turnovers the Warriors had, and it felt like yep. more. Yep. But again, the the Warriors have one guy, and look, and Steph is incredible, and he was hitting some insane shots himself last night. But they have one guy who can do stuff with the ball, right? That is certainly not the case with Phoenix. Phoenix can Phoenix can score and play, and they're really good. So, like, I, I understand why people think the Lakers are going to win. Like I said, I think ultimately the Lakers will win, but they've got to be better than they were in that game against the Warriors because Phoenix is a much better team and will be able to take a lot more advantage of their inefficiencies on offense and some of the other mistakes that the Lakers made if – if they're not playing at a much higher level. This isn't the most important series of Chris Paul's career. Um, obviously that conference final series that, you know, they were winning and he got hurt in was probably the most important series of his career. That's in he, when he was in Houston. Mm-hmm. It might be though. It, but this is a pretty ways, big one, man. This, I mean, this some, is it's the first time he's ever played LeBron. Right. In um, some ways you could argue it is the most important. Too. Well, it's like, the most important because it's like every every playoff series he plays in from now on is the most important because he right. doesn't have that. You know, well, look, he's he's already proven that those of us who thought he was on the decline a couple of years ago were dead ass wrong. But you know, he's thirty six years old as a you know six foot one dude. Like he doesn't have that much time left, so uh, he's got an opportunity here. Um, and you know, so far for various reasons, many injury related, whether it was himself or Blake Griffin or whatever, hasn't been able to, to take advantage of him. Well, he had uh, that, you know, he's had bad luck. He's, he's, yeah. he's gotten, he'd have broke his hand that one time, had the hamstring. No, injury. for sure. Yeah, but Blake, look at, but Blake look at broke the, his foot. He, he had the hamstring. Yep. And look at this from the other side too, right? If the Suns can win this series, obviously a huge if, but if they can win this series, the path is open for them. Like they're going to be heavy favorites in the second round against either Denver or mm-hmm. Portland. 
to get out to get to the conference finals. And if they've already beat the Lakers, yeah, the Clippers made sure think, they wouldn't be in the way. <laughs> that's right. That's why I don't if understand it, the Clippers. Well, and if, they if were, they've already the, beat, the Clippers announced to the world, we are so terrified of the Lakers. Yep. Well, we are absolutely that's right. chicken. That's right. And and if and if the if the Suns have already beat the Lakers, there's not anybody else in the conference you're going to look at and say, well, they can't beat them because you know yeah. you're going to say, well, if they beat the Lakers, they could beat anybody else. So this this if they can win this series. The path is truly open for Chris Paul to get to the NBA Finals in what is 16th NBA season for the first time, which would be a really unbelievable story. Yeah, and so, I, feel like, I, mean, I feel like Chris Paul, look, it's not like his reputation is tarnished because he hasn't been to the Finals, right? Like nobody looks at Chris. And really, there's only one series uh, where you can say, man, boy, he, he choked there. And that was that OKC series. But, I mean, the guy, career playoff numbers, 21 points, eight assists, good efficiency, whatever. No, I don't think anybody looks at him and says he's a choker. It's just he's one of those guys who's on the an all-time great who has that one huge uh, omission missing from his legendary resume. I mean, you kind of feel go like back he's, and- where, he's where Dirk was um, the year that Dirk, you know, finally carried the Mavericks to the to – the, uh, to the title. And then at that point, it's basically like, you can't say anything else. Well, you'd have to go back and look, he he's easily in the conversation for the best player to never play in the NBA finals. And like, that's, yeah. that, that's the kind of thing where like, if he, if he can break through this year with the Suns and get in there like that, it just, like you said, it's not that his, he's obviously a first bout hall of famer and an all time great player, but it would give him an opportunity to raise himself up another level beyond where he is right. now, if he can get them there. And, you know, on top of everything else he's done the past couple of years, it would be be a truly incredible story if he could pull it off. But yeah, I, I mean, this is, you know, it's a it's a huge series on so many levels. It's, well, it's going to be really fascinating. You hear a lot of people say, well, the, you know, the Suns don't have a lot of experience, and and you know, so you so you may say, well, well, what does that matter? What does that mean? And look, I don't know how the series is going to go. I'm the guy who doesn't make predictions because I admit I don't know what's going to happen most of the time, but. In a series like this where two teams are pretty closely matched, you typically will see games where one team just plays better, shoots the ball better, the other team is off. I don't know how many there will be. Maybe there will be three like that. We've seen some series where there's been six games that have been one-sided, where one team is clearly better than the other. And then you have these 50-50 games. Maybe there's one in the series. Maybe there's four in the series where that's where that sort of stuff shows up. And so the question really is, is if there's two or three 50-50 games in this series, games that could go either way, and one side has guys who've never done it before and the other side has LeBron James, you're going to favor LeBron James. And that's why, you know, it's not being flippant to say that the Suns are not favored. It's just looking at that situation and saying this is a guy who figures out how to win games. I remember so many times – uh, there would be games. I mean, I'm just talking about regular season games, Wednesdays in February, you know, just some Cavs Bucks game, some Cavs Wizards game. And the games could go either way. It's a tie game midway through the fourth quarter. And Bron carries his team home. And, you know, it gets ultimately forgotten because it's a regular season game, but he's literally done it hundreds of times in his career. And doing that in the playoff level is just, it's a big ask. It's a big lift. Well, and um, AD, look, he wasn't able to carry the Pelicans to playoff success, 
But if you look at AD's numbers in the playoffs, they're pretty ridiculous. And last year, obviously, you know, he proved he could be a a starring player on a championship team. Well, and just look at the look at the Warriors game, right? Like again, for all the things that Golden State did wrong in that game to let the game get away, they let the Lakers into it and gave them a chance, and LeBron took it. And, you know, like you said, Brian, when you're in the playoffs and you've been in the playoffs a bunch of times, there's a reason why inexperienced teams don't win in the playoffs. Like you you tend to have to go through it and go through some pain on the way up. And it's because you have to learn how to win in those moments. And, you know, the Suns are going to get every bit of it uh, that they could hope to learn all at once, try, having to go up against uh, the Lakers in the first round. It's a, it's a, it's a bummer in some respects because they've had an incredible season. And, you know, like Tim said, it's not, it's not exactly a fair, uh, a fair reward for the year they've had, but ultimately like, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they raise up to the challenge. I will say, and nobody in Salt Lake city will agree with this, but I was kind of rooting for the Warriors last night just because I want to see Steph versus uh, CP three in the playoffs one more time. Well, it also would have been unbelievable if you had Lakers Jazz in the playoffs, particularly oh. particularly after uh, the All Star Game stuff with oh, the Jazz sure. and LeBron. Sure. I mean, that would but have you, been look. We might still incredible. get it. Might still oh get no, it for sure. Oh, finals. for sure. I just mean in the first yeah, round, yeah. that would have been absolutely unbelievable if that happened. But and yeah, by no, the way, look. what a, what a treat that would be! Best record in the league. Here's the defending champs in the first <laughs> round. Not that look, the Warriors have been, uh, well, they won like 15 of the last 20 regular season games. Their point differential has been uh, elite during that stretch. I mean, the, the Weissman's Listen, gone stretch. If, if they can beat Memphis, they're going to be a tough matchup for, for the Jazz. Well, Jazz, I think, will win the series, but they're going to be Don't disrespect be the Grizzlies there, McMahon. I, I said, I'm not disrespecting the Grizzlies. We both, we both, we both said if. Yeah. <laughs> we both right. said if. Um, okay, so McMahon. Look which... forward to seeing who's ref in that game, though. Um, well I'm sure the stats will be available two guys drove to work neither guy wore a seatbelt one guy got a ticket one guy didn't the same two guys drove home one guy wore a seatbelt one guy didn't one guy made it home the guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't don't risk it click it or ticket paid for by nitsa now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good the playmaking splash shifted the tempo Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. McMahon, which one of these uh, first round series are you uh, paying particular attention to? Honestly, I'm fascinated by what we were just talking about. You know, uh, I'm going to... With all, we'll do the with all due respect thing again. With all due respect, Warriors versus Jazz. Warriors still have to earn their way there, but sizzling Steph Curry 
uh, you know, the championship credentials of Steph and Draymond, the Warriors playing at the level they've played at. Play, Donovan Warriors Mitchell, have really good defense, really, really good defense, really good. They, top, they've been top they've five been a, all year. Yeah, they've been a great defensive team all year. You know, Draymond will kind of invent the chip of, oh, Gobert is going to be defensive player of the year again. You know, I'm the best defensive player in the world. Da, da, da. Um, I think that, honestly, that Gobert-Draymond matchup to me is fascinating. I would assume that Draymond would play a lot of that series at center just because even though he's not a shooter, if you don't – if if uh, Gobert's defending Draymond and he doesn't come out away from the hoop, you're basically – inviting Draymond just to screen Steph into wide open threes over and over and over again. So he would drag Rudy out there. Um, And by the way, real quick on Draymond, if there was anybody who was wondering if Draymond Green could still be an elite impact player, especially on defense, that if you just watch the game, just watch the Lakers game. He was unbelievable defensively in that Lakers game. No, he's still, he's still, he's a very deserving defense player of your finalists without question. And I don't give a crap how many points he scores. He is an impactful offensive player. I love watching the Draymond Steph to me. I love when Draymond catches the ball 25 feet from the hoop. Nobody cares if he's shooting it. He doesn't even look at the rim. First thing he's doing is seeing where Steph is, kind of scanning the floor and figuring out how am I going to get this guy an yep. open look. And then Steph is so good, not just moving into threes, but boom, backdoor, you're dying to make it's, sure he doesn't get anything out there. Boom, backdoor cut. It's, yeah, like, a, it's like a re- quarterback and receiver who've played 10 years together because yep. th- they're not calling plays. And sometimes you yeah. wonder, well, how does Draymond know that Steph – because Steph just you know has 15 different ways to get around a guy. Yeah. And sometimes you wonder, like, how does Draymond know which one he's going to use? Because he's, Steph is he's seen everyone. He's seen everyone 10,000 times. He yeah, and just the, the way – I mean, they those – you talk about two dudes who – communicate just off feel and, and, you know, eye contact and whatever. And Draymond is, I mean, he, for a non-scorer, he is an absolute joy to watch offensively because he is such a dominant passer and screener and playing with, like, it is a perfect fit him playing with Steph, who's the perfect, you know, like the best guy in the world at taking advantage of Draymond's unique skill set. Well, and the reason I thought that was especially noteworthy in that Lakers game was I was sitting there watching that Lakers game and watching Kent Bazemore do a lot of terrible things in the game and yeah. thinking uh, next year with Klay Thompson back, not expecting Klay Thompson to be an all-NBA caliber player again come off these injuries, but if right. he can just be a starting caliber wing player who is going to be obviously an elite shooter because um, right. that's not going to go away, like you plug him in there in place of Kent Bazemore, that team jumps up a bunch. And that's before they potentially add anything else. Right. The um, other thing they've so, done is they've cut the rotation down to eight guys in part because of a couple injuries that, frankly, have probably helped their cause. Yep. Um, you know, the other thing in that series that is going to be obviously critical is it's not like Donovan Mitchell gets to ease his way back from six weeks out, you know, five, six weeks out due to the sprained ankle. He practiced today, Thursday, for the first time since April 16th. So, uh, you know, he missed the last 16 games of the regular season, you know, especially against an elite defensive team. They are going to need Donovan's ability to create off the dribble. They don't want to have to rely on it, but more and more in the playoffs, you know, that that becomes the most important facet of their offense. 
Um, so both Donovan and you know Conley played a couple games late in the seasons, but he he missed a, a pretty significant stretch there too with a hamstring. So they're two guys that are you know off dribble creators are, are chipping off rust as the playoffs roll around. And ultimately, though, you saw in that in that Lakers Warriors game. I know the I know the Lakers have a great defense. The Warriors are so limited on offense outside of Steph. That while I think mm-hmm. he and Draymond can make it interesting, Utah I think is just way too good on offense, and it's just gonna they're not gonna be able to keep up over a seven game series. So I, I think that I think Utah's a pretty gonna gonna win that series pretty comfortably, but it will be fun to watch that Gobert uh, Draymond battle, and it will be fun to see how. Um, you know, Steph tries to to get going against um, go go get get going against Utah, and trying to make it as interesting as possible. You know what's crazy about Draymond? So you remember, obviously, we all remember the 2016 Finals. He gets suspended after hitting LeBron in Game Four in Cleveland. Yeah, suspended for Game Five. He had a 32 point game in Game Seven. He had an incredible first half. I think he. Had, hit four or five threes in the first half yep. of game seven. Yeah. Was potentially going to be an all-time, um, uh, you know, t- taking off the goat horns uh, game. I don't think he's had a 30-point game since. Not that he ever had a lot of 30-point games, but, I mean, the, the reminder was is that occasionally he was pretty potent offensively. He had that one outlier year as, as a three-point shooter. Um, strangely, he's like – his ability to finish has just gone kaput, but he's still a, a damn good rim protector. So I don't, I don't, I don't but, but I would argue that, that he's even, he's better than he was back then. And I remember on, on the defense, Vin. Yeah. And, and just overall, I mean, just, he's, he's just as much, he's just as, or well, more he's, as he's not, he's not better because the offense is just not existed on from a scoring standpoint. I mean, that, for for as good as he is at everything else, like that season he was shooting, like to your point, he was shooting 37, 38% from three. Um yeah, that's true. on top of it. Yeah. But he's but he but listen, my point before was Golden State's had a nice year this year, but I thought it was really important to see Draymond in a game like that play at that kind of level. Cause it shows me that if they can add Clay and maybe another piece this offseason, like they have a chance to be a factor in the West beyond just a you know, run of the mill, trying to get in the playoffs team. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bontemps, what series are you paying attention to? 
I mean, we talked, uh, there's two in the East that I think are particularly noteworthy. We talked a little bit earlier, but I, I think Hawks Knicks is going to be really interesting. The Knicks back in the playoffs, um, obviously is a fun story. And, you know, again, I'm just really curious to see what Trey Young looks like in a postseason series, especially against a really good physical defensive team like the Knicks. But if you're talking about Eastern Conference playoff series, the one that obviously stands out is Bucks Heat. Um, rematch of last year's Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, a series that Milwaukee, frankly, could have gotten away from if they had um, not played their guys in Miami uh, on Saturday night. Still had a chance at the 2C, but a very slim chance, given that the Brooklyn Nets were playing the tanking Cleveland Cavaliers in their final game of the season. Um, but the Bucks played it out, and they pounded the heat and won the game. And I like that approach from this Milwaukee team. I know it makes their road a little tougher. They obviously now would have to, in theory, go through Miami, Brooklyn, and Philly to get to the finals. But for a team that needs to exercise playoff demons and needs to kind of have a fresh start, I like the fact that they didn't run away from that and just said, hey, we're just going to play and let the chips fall and not worry about who our opponents are. And I'm really curious to see with Drew Holiday, with P.J. Tucker, you know, with some of the changes they made during the season to try to implement more of a switching defense, to have some more versatility when they get into the playoffs. It's going to be really, really interesting right off the bat to see if that stuff uh, translate into success against a, you know, a tough veteran Miami Heat team with arguably the best coach in the league in Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and a bunch of guys that are going to walk into that series thinking they can win it. I saw Giannis today said somebody asked him, "Will this year be different than the last?" That was two me, years? actually. Oh, oh, how about that? <laughs> well, what, did he, what did he say, Bonteps? He said, "I can't tell you, Tim. It might not be different." <laughs> that was what he said, which I thought was a and pretty honest a, response. And what did you take away from him saying that? Taking I, pressure off? Or? I I thought it was very interesting uh, watching Giannis today because he just seemed incredibly relaxed. And the the question I asked him, he after saying that, he went on to say the thing he's learned from the last two years is to not get so wrapped up in everything that's happening every second. He said he would – said especially in the bubble – they would play the game and they would go back and he would watch the stuff on TV and he'd see what the media was saying. And like, he was just on kind of a roller coaster with how the team was doing, either getting too high or getting too low. And I think that he is, I think that is something that gave the Bucks problems the past couple of years. I do think they got in their heads. Um, I do think that they let the pressure of things get to them a little bit. And obviously they were really close to getting past the Toronto Raptors they're up 2-0 in overtime in game three. Can't quite pull the game out. Um, they end up losing that series. And, you know, last year, everything in the bubble was a mess for them last year. Um, you know, Giannis gets hurt against Miami. They have the crazy ending in game two when he fouls, you know, has to touches Jimmy Butler's hip with no time left on the clock. He gets a foul called on him. Um, but I, I think this Bucks team is in a really good mental place going into the playoffs in no small part because they replaced – uh, Eric Bledsoe with Drew Holiday, and they've added right. B.J. Tucker, um, two veteran, tough-minded, um, you know, the perfect kind of guys you want to have if you're trying to go win a title. I mean, McMahon's been around B.J. Right. for years. And, 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 and those demons, those aren't their demons. So, no. you know, that that does help. They were no, definitely a lot. They were definitely Eric Bledsoe's demons, but he's he's gone. Well, and it, and it was interesting. In the game, they just – they had the, the two games against the Nets – uh, recently, and I know James Harden didn't play, but there was a moment in the first game they played. There was a two or three point game. 
90 seconds to go. Giannis drives into the lane. He gets double teamed. What does he do? He kicks it out to the wing. Who does he kick it out to? Drew Holiday. Drew mm-hmm. Holiday buries a three, doesn't touch the rim. Eric Bledsoe would have airballed that shot. And that is, to me, the biggest difference with this team. It's why I think Milwaukee can get out of the East, even with the schedule they have in front of them. And yeah, I mean, it was it was funny to have him kind of say, I don't know if it's going to be different, uh, Brian, but I do, I did, I did like the, his, I, he seemed to be in a really good place today. And I think they've been in a really good place for a while. And, and I think they, they feel comfortable and confident going into these playoffs. And, you know, if they could get by Miami, I don't think there, there might not be a better series in these playoffs than Nets Bucks. I hope everybody's healthy because I, I think that could just be an absolutely incredible series if they can get through this one. Think Miami's going to miss Jay Crowder in this one? Yes, I think so too. Um, Trevor Reese has been okay for them, but he has not been Jay Crowder, who I think shot 9,000% from three, particularly against uh, against Milwaukee in that series. Um, he was a huge difference maker for them uh, all through the bubble run, but especially in that series. Well, down the stretch of the season, the Heat played really, really good offense. And um, the crazy thing about the Heat, as good of a defensive team as they were and have been for several years, as important as Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler are defensively, last year they made the finals because of their potent offense, because of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Well, and in um, particular, Goran Dragic. And to me, he is the key to this series. He's got to be close to all-star level Goran Dragic again, which he was in the bubble and he has not been this season. Well, they saying they played pretty good offense down the stretch of the season. Uh, and, you know, Jimmy Butler was hurt and out a lot this year and he missed a lot of their, their big key games. Um, he didn't get to play in so many of their, their right. matchups. So it's, it's hard to, he didn't play in that Milwaukee game the other day. Yeah. For example. So if he stays healthy and is in there, that's an X factor, but Milwaukee's got a brutal, a brutal stretch. All right, the series that I'm going to pay attention to, well, I'm pinching them all, but the one I'm watching, and just because I think there's a lot of stakes, is Portland-Denver. And, um, you know, this is a... Might be, even, might be the most even series of the whole first round. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, I know that Denver finished, I think they finished after the Jamal Murray injury, I believe they went 13-5. and five. And that was even better than it sounded because, you know, got, not got only your MVP vote, didn't it? I did vote for Jokic for MVP. Mm. <laughs> um, Breaking news. Uh, and uh, um, again, my argument was not that Embiid necessarily should have been the MVP. It's that he shouldn't have been disqualified as he apparently was by those voters. Bomb temps will officially remove the jackass label from me now. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Welcome to the dark side. I, I don't, you know, if Portland loses this series, I don't know what's going to happen to the Blazers. Well, I think you've got a pretty good idea of one thing that would happen. I think that it would probably end the Terry Stotts uh, era there. Um, I, I don't necessarily know that that solves anything. I don't necessarily know if it's the right thing, but I think there's, there's, you know, there's too much smoke coming out of there for that. You know, it would be naive to think that, uh, a, a first round exit would would be enough for Terry to keep his job. It's a it's a crossroads moment for the franchise for sure. If they, if they lose that game, to your point, it's hard to see Terry being back, and who knows what happens beyond that. And if they if they win that series, 
again, like if it's Suns, if it's Suns Blazers, they played an epic game last week. Like that would be yeah. a really interesting series. Like, you know, all of a sudden, like things could look totally different for Portland if they win. So I, yeah, I mean, for both these teams, I think it, there's a lot on the line and it's uh it's a really compelling series. Obviously it really sucks not having Jamal Murray. is just such a killer. I think Denver might've won the West, maybe won the title. If Jamal was healthy, it's just well, brutal have, that he isn't there. Have, but. Do, what guards do they have? Well, that's, like, I mean, that's is, the thing. It, it, is Barton going to be back? Is Dozier going to be back? Like, I mean. Well, and, it, and think about and talk about a series where you want to have healthy cards, right? Yeah. I mean, there probably isn't a, there might not be a single team you would, you would rather not play if you have, a, you know, a decimated backcourt than Dame and CJ, who both of whom have been, you know, have come up huge in the playoffs. I mean, Austin, Austin Rivers got there on a freaking 10-day. I promise you this. He will earn every dime of his playoff bonus. <laughs> yes, he will. Guys, I'm going yes, to give you some stats here. 54% shooting overall. 45% on three-pointers, which means he shot 63% on two-pointers. I'm gonna look up his splits here. Who, for these who this is? This this Michael Porter since the All Star break. This is Michael Porter for the season. Yeah. Let me look up his post All Star break number. He shot fifty four forty five for the season. That's right. Wow. I mean, I knew um, he, I knew he had big time numbers. I hadn't looked at him lately. That's that's big time. And he, I his release is absolutely ridiculous for a six it, foot ten athletic dude. I mean, he it's his a it's a so it's a beautiful so it's a beautiful shot. I mean, it's it's easy to see why he was such a big time prospect coming up. I mean, well, it doesn't doesn't take much watching him play to figure out this guy is really special at scoring well, the basketball. Well, look, I was screaming as loud as anybody. Like, I thought they should have packaged him and and you know, like for example, package him and try to trade for James Harden is something I was I was talking. Like, I thought they needed an, another bona fide superstar. Um, you know, they they were not interested in, in, in shopping him. Um, and <laughs> it looks pretty smart right now. He, he might have a decent future. He there's, might, there's some stuff that comes along with him, but he will put the ball in the hole frequently and efficiently post all-star 22 points a game, seven and a half rebounds a game, 54% overall shooting, 46% on three-pointers. And here's the number. Because it's not just because he's improved defensively, although he has, but also because they got Aaron Gordon to take some pressure off of him. Here's the number, guys, that I'm going to point out about Michael Porter Jr. His plus-minus after the All-Star break, plus 11.4 average per game. That's big time. Obviously, it's not just him. There's a lot of other stuff going on. My point is is that this is a series where Michael Porter could truly be the difference maker. Not that it's not Jokic, uh, you're going to have huge games, but yeah. you know he's you know he his play in the playoffs last year was up and down. He had he had moments. His minutes uh, were up and down too, not coincidentally. Well, that's the thing. Like it's been hard at times for Michael Malone to to trust him, um, but uh, you know the, he doesn't have a choice now. 
Well, and, and he's earned the trust, and he's he's a, a, you know most improved player finalist, deservedly so. And you know, he's proven uh, since Murray went down that look, he's not just a, a complimentary player. Like he can, he is a star caliber player. At least he has been. I mean, his efficiency's improved since he had to become that number two guy. And since Murray went down, 56, 49, 85 are his shooting splits. I mean, on some decent, on some, you know, averaging 23 and a half points a game. I mean, he's just, he's got an indefensible shot. And I know that he and Durant both get annoyed at the comparisons. Um, yeah. And I understand that. That's fine. But it's more about a six foot 10 guy who can shoot like that. Well, and. Yeah, an athletic six foot ten guy who can shoot and put it on the floor. I did. I wish I could remember who tweeted this, um, but somebody mentioned he's more clay. He's more of a, a taller clay than he is KD, and I, I can see that because this. I mean, this just the he's so because well, he never dribbles basically. And well, and clay, he's just so. so smooth catch and shoot, and not just yeah. smooth puts it off so quickly, and it's just. His shot is absolutely beautiful, and his ability, you know, a lot like um, we were talking about uh, just how perfect of a fit that Steph is, you know, playing off of Draymond's strengths as a passer and a screener. You know, Porter is seeing all the ways that he can get clean looks playing off of the best passing big man in the history of the game. And, you know, that's uh, that's a tough combo to, to stop no matter who's playing guard. Well, I voted for him for second most improved. And, you know, Randall was so awesome all year long from start to finish. But a lot of years, Michael Porter Jr. is winning that award. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I, and and I know that there, you know, there's sometimes you don't necessarily want to, you know, guys naturally improve in their second season. And technically I guess this is his third season, but really it's his second year. Right. um, But, you know, even by that standard, his performance this year was awesome. So I'm, I'm going to watch that series because of the stakes, especially for Portland. Um, and you know, I this could be Michael Porter Jr.'s uh, arrival as a well. And 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 remember, Michael Porter Jr. It's his, it's his, like you said, it's his second season playing. It's his third season, and he's up for a contract extension possibility this off season. And you know, certainly if he goes out and you know, balls out and gets Denver into the second round or into the conference finals without Jamal or beyond, um, you know, that's certainly going to be some ammunition for him to go get a uh, a very large check. Well, he's uh, getting that max. He, he, yeah. He's getting he's, the max. He, you shoot 45% as a th- on threes as a 22-year-old. I think, you know, the concern with him is the back, but. Right, but it, it's know. real simple. His His leverage is pay me or trade me. <laughs> and you know they decided not to trade him. They'll pay him. They knew yeah. they when they decided not to shop him around. They knew they were going to have to pay him. Yeah, I mean, listen. To be clear, I wasn't. I'm not saying that like it's the difference between making 15 million or the max, but like it, you know, it certainly it would it would go a long way towards removing any potential lingering doubts about do we completely give him the full max in an right. extension right now if he scores 30 points a game in the first two or three rounds of the playoffs. You're right. You know, yeah, you're right about that. It's it's just a big opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for him. It's just a, it's a big, you know, especially with Jamal Murray out and they the, need the it. The stages they, they, they really need it. It's not they like last it. year when Mike Malone could get mad at him for not doing something right on defense and sitting yeah. him 
for 15 minutes, right? He's going to be out there for 38, 40 minutes a game. And it's a huge chance for him to show he's that kind of player on a huge stage. And like, like you guys have both said, they, they're going to need every, every bit of his production to, um, to make the kind of playoff run they want to. All right. Well, here we go, guys. Um, playoffs start this weekend. Um, two months of, uh, whew, let's go. Um, thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to Tony, our producer. Have a good weekend and uh, enjoy the start of the playoffs. Adios, amigos.